Last year, I had the opportunity to list my Montecito guest house on Airbnb. This was part of a special project that Airbnb spearheaded to build connection and to make the world feel a little less lonely. It was such a pleasure to get to know my Airbnb guests over dinner and share my home with them so that they could rest and recharge on their trip. But typically, the beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Being a host on Airbnb is great for those who travel frequently, have extra space, or own a seasonal home. If you've stayed at an Airbnb, you know the unique experience it offers. And now you can share that same experience with others in addition to earning additional income on the side. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Don't hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go. For me, our soul is like it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves. When people stop believing that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves, and that's where you become empowered. Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations, because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Today is no exception. I'll let Elise fill you in on her extraordinary guest. All right, over to Elise. Our guest today, Stephen Hassan, is a mental health counselor, leading expert on mind control, and the author of a number of fascinating books about cults, including The Cult of Trump. Drawing on his own experience as a former Mooney and a career studying hypnosis and destructive cults, Stephen has been helping people for over 44 years exit all kinds of controlling groups, relationships, and cults. Today, we talk through the ways we are subject to mind control every day and how that's led us to the state of politics in America right now. He explains how sane, well-adjusted people get wrapped up in authoritarian cults and shares his insights on how best to leave one, be it a dysfunctional relationship, a group, or a belief system. And in a sense, it's like a, a computer virus that takes over your computer and your, your operating system is corrupted and you need to reinstall your the healthy or what was supposed to be before it got corrupted. And when I got out of the Moonies, I needed my family and friends to kind of remind me of what I believed and what I liked to do and to even relearn the English language. I was an English writing major and I was reading three books a week before the cult and I got out and I couldn't even read a page. Okay, let's get to my chat with Stephen Hassan. Well, thanks for being here. I'm sure you are, your your thoughts are in high demand. I have been watching The Vow. I'm sure many people have been coming to you to talk to you about Nexium, and and obviously people are interested in the cult of personality of Trump, et cetera. So I'm really excited to sort of hear from you 
how, you know, for example, I know you were a Mooney, like how people who are really intelligent, really in control of their own minds, lose their minds. So should we start with that? Do you want to just sort of give your your story? Sure. I am a mental health professional, and I've been helping people for 44 years exit all kinds of controlling groups and relationships and cults. And it was really my own experience in the Moon Mooney's cult in 74, 75, 76, and my subsequent uh, near-fatal van crash, which led to a deprogramming. Uh, and me realizing what brainwashing was that got me interested in this whole subject because I was a very independent extra honor student prior to the cult. And I was not interested in joining any groups, much less leaving my my college, my poetry writing, my uh, religion. I grew up Jewish. But how do intelligent people get into mind control or authoritarian cults? Essentially, they get deceived. So I don't know anyone who knowingly wants to give up their life and be exploited and abused and controlled. But they get deceived. Either they think they're going to improve themselves or they're going to help the world and make a contribution to help others. So it's usually very constructive motivation. It's incremental. And, and what's missing is what we call informed consent in the mm-hmm. law, where I believe anything legitimate should tell you upfront who, who they are, what they believe, and what will happen to you once you get involved. And the theme with with authoritarian mind control cults is they give the illusion that they're telling you what they're about, but it is not what it's really about. And you only find out after you exit and talk with former members and cult experts that you realize what's happened to you. Yeah. And they, they, paint, they paint idealistic pictures, right? And sort of anoint people as chosen or as different or as special and everyone else as inferior, right? I mean, that's sort of one of the central ideas, regardless of construct. So in, in, in the bite model of authoritarian control, and the B stands for behavior control, and the I is information control, thought control, and emotional control, when under the emotional control, you hit the, the target by saying in the beginning, especially they make you feel special and chosen. You're part of the elite who has this new knowledge and you're, you're so much better than everyone else on the planet. But ultimately, the controls are through guilt and fear. And in particular, the indoctrination of people into phobias, essentially, that if they ever question the leader doctrine or group or want to leave it, only bad things are going to happen to you. Right. And so they, they, they subvert and trick our own survival mechanisms to avoid danger into believing that there's danger in leaving and questioning. But in fact, it's liberating when right. questions and exits. And clearly this can happen sort of on, on the spectrum from the individual to the 
you know, the cult that we sort of know, you know, people drinking cyanide Kool-Aid or whatever to political spheres where this there's this sowing of fear, right? Like you're going to lose your jobs. The rapists are coming. There's looting. You know, cities will burn. And I am the only one who has things under control and will keep you safe. Yep, exactly. So I, I you touch on an important theme, which is that in my model, dictators who have authoritarian regimes are cult leaders. Right. And I wrote the book, The Cult of Trump. And a lot of people are now calling it the cult of Trump, but they they haven't gotten past the word cult to find out well, what does that actually mean? And, and, and what does that inform us to do differently? If right. we do accept that it is a authoritarian mind control cult. And I want to get to that. Let's just go through the rest of bite too. So what's so the B is behavior. And so that's controlling what people do. And typically like in a cult, that's sort of localizing people, that's controlling what they're eating, et cetera. Like in the context of the vow or nexium, it's sort of this forced anorexia for women, et cetera. But like how does that typically show up? So it's very interesting. I've been doing this work for four decades, and what's happening now in the digital sphere with smartphones is that some of the requirements to be in a physically isolated location are no longer necessary, especially with the pandemic, where people are in their apartments or they're in their houses and they're online all the time. And their minds are being taken over and, and, and nobody's standing over them saying you can't dress that way or you can't eat those foods, but you are indoctrinated to whatever group you're in and you self-direct yourself to dress a certain way or to, to eat the foods that are prescribed or whatever. And in my model, I have 20 odd variables for each one of the B-I-T-E, and you don't need all 20 of all four for a group to be authoritarian. It turns out you only need two or three of each, Mm -hmm. but they're biggies in order to say that the group is very unhealthy and basically creates a new identity (laughs) for you with a new belief system that many times is is opposite of who and what you were before. Yeah. And just to give an idea, people an idea of sort of some of the things on the list, it ranges from like discouraged individualism and encouraging groupthink to permission required for major decisions to manipulation and deprivation of sleep or, you know, those decisions about what people wear or what they eat. And then it goes down to forced rape, threatening harm, separation of families, beating torture. So it sort of really runs a gamut. Yeah. So, you know, the terrorist groups will kill Mm -hmm. you if you try to leave. It's not just a phobia. I I added some of those, honestly, when reflecting after George Floyd's brutal killing that, that slavery and slave owners used to kidnap people and lynch them and murder them if they were disobedient, etc. So I I felt yeah. it my my intellectual duty to add some of these more extreme things, even though you know most of the cults I had been working on in my career 
were more white collar cults in the United States, where, right? Uh, or multi level marketing groups, or therapy cults, or or larger group awareness training cults, as yeah. well as t- different types of religious cults. Yeah. But I felt I should add, you know, pimps and traffickers, you know, dictators and traffickers or slave owners, basically. Yeah. And I guess the first one on the list, regulate individuals' physical reality is really like the umbrella concept here. You know, I would actually say the the most important one of, of the B is actually dependence and obedience. Mm. And I, I want to say that there are some people who define destructive cults and say you need to have a charismatic leader who's running it. But that's not my frame and that's not my understanding because people can be in ideological cults without a figurehead or a person who's actually directing everybody else and it still has all of the uh, destructive elements of authoritarianism. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. Toomey has a soft side. Discover their new Acer bag collection in its pillowy pleats, satin finish, and crescent shape. Acer is the bag to carry for your 9 to 5 and the 5 to 9 plans that follow. Versatility, after all, is Tumi's signature. Shop the full Acer collection on Tumi.com or at a Tumi store near you. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. And then information control, which is clearly becoming highly attuned through tech, right? And the ability to target and the echo chambers that we're all creating. So that's sort of what you would imagine. But there's a deception, right? It's distorting information to make it more access- accessible, right. so lying. Yeah. Right. So let's start by saying, you know, with lack of informed consent, that takes three forms. One is outright lying. One is withholding vital information, and the other is distorting information to make it seem more palatable. And if any of those three happen to me, you're undermining someone's informed consent for getting involved. But some other key themes with information control is extensive use of propaganda and disinformation, you know, constant tweeting or publishing their point of view about things and dissing any critics or former members. So fake news, you know, media is the enemy of the people is what Jones said before he ordered the the assassination of Congressman Ryan. Mm -hmm. You know, it's critical if you want to control somebody to control their information. And part of that is teaching them to to do thought stopping, which is part of the T, thought stopping against doubts. Right. Or saying, you know what? He said the opposite earlier this morning, and now he's saying this, and now he's saying he never said it. Right. Which got, falls under the uh, umbrella term called gaslighting. <laughs> but yeah. that that particular phrase was invented to as part of a strategy just to make someone be crazy. This with what we're talking about is actually a dissociative type phenomenon where someone's whole identity is being replaced by a pseudo identity. 
I shouldn't say replaced, uh, suppressed is a better term. The new identity suppresses who you were before. And, and in a sense, it's like a, a computer virus that takes over your computer and your, your operating system is corrupted. Yeah. And you need to reinstall your, the healthy or what was supposed to be before it got corrupted. Yeah. And when I got out of the Moonies, I needed my family and friends to kind of remind me of what I believed and what I liked to do and to even relearn the English language because I was an English writing major and I was reading three books a week before the cult and I got out and I couldn't even read a page and I couldn't even remember what some of the words meant. So I had to re, you know, reactivate, put back online my brain, who I was before. God, it's amazing how fragile we are, right? Like we all have this idea of ourselves as really being in control of our actions and decisions and mental firepower. And then the reality is we're quite fallible. We're very vulnerable. So I I would prefer to say to your listeners that we're adaptable, mm. that we're yeah. flexible, and that we believe that we're in rational control far more than what reality is. In reality, we are operating unconsciously most of the time with models that are unconscious and we're making judgments and decisions without analyzing the data, without you know thinking things through. And in this information overload environment that we're all living in right now, it becomes absolutely essential to understand how the mind works, who's trying to manipulate your mind, how to protect yourself, and how to reality test if you have been mind controlled or not. Yeah, I want to get to that. But just to sort of close the loop on information control some of, you know, it's like the minimizing access to non-cult sources of information mm-hmm. and being insider outsidery about what, where the information is. We've clearly seen that happen culturally of like the, mm-hmm. around the media, the free press, encourage mm-hmm. spying and reporting on other individuals, using propaganda, and then an mm-hmm. unethical use of confession, right? So, and I know that it's it's more involved than that, but that sort of gives a good idea. And then thought control which it's interesting. I know, you know, you bring up hypnosis too in the context of, of Trump. I don't know whether he does it intentionally, but can you sort of, ch- and, and I've heard, I think that's a component of Nexium, right? So like- w- Oh, it absolutely is a feature of how Salzman and Ranieri got intelligent, successful people to be their slaves. Yeah. So what's, what is involved? Because I think we all, so many of us have this idea that like you, someone's waving a, you know, a clock in front of your face and that's not really what it is, right? So can you sort of break that down? Yeah. So I guess I want to start by saying that human consciousness is not a linear thing that we sleep. That's a form of our consciousness. We're awake. And then we go through in and out different trance states throughout our day. And whenever we're super concentrated on something, our brain goes into a different 
functioning mode. So it, I've heard people describe it as being in the zone. Mm-hmm. Like when I was playing basketball and I would be hitting shots from very far away, <laughs> it would be swishes and nobody knew how I got those in. And I'd be on a streak. That was like an example of kind of a trance state. Or if I get into writing project and I'm like totally oblivious to time, I haven't eaten, you know, <laughs> hours right. and hours went by. That's kind of a trance state. So what I'm trying to convey is trance states are part of the human experience and there, there's nothing wrong with them. In fact, there's a lot that's good about them. But the thing is, is that you're suggestible to somebody installing something with a hidden agenda. So that's where it's really important to have trustworthy sources of information for news, for relationships, that that you don't have to have your guard up all the time, that some somebody's going to be slipping some beliefs into your head that you would say, you know, I don't believe that for example. So most people are exposed to hypnosis by seeing stage hypnotists where some somebody is, you know, group of people are called up on stage after having done a number of exercises to determine how compliant and how hypnotizable they are. And then they're asked to bark like a dog or think they're Elvis Presley or other things where people laugh at them. So that's the general public's understanding of hypnosis and what Nexium was doing, what the Moonies do, what Trump does is much more sophisticated than that, in my opinion. And it falls under the school of, of, of Milton Erickson, the psychiatrist's process-oriented approach to hypnosis. And what he said basically is that because the mind goes in and out of trance states, if you are, are observant and can tell when what people are doing, not, you know, by their behaviors, you can tell them stories, you can ask them questions, and you can do all kinds of linguistic manipulations that can guide them into a deep trance uh, with or without their permission. Now, Erickson was a psychiatrist sworn to do no harm, so he didn't abuse that. But in this world that we live in, there are endless people who claim to be experts in hypnosis, including Scott Adams, who's a big Trump supporter, who has no ethical training or or commitment to ethics. And so they can do incredible harm, in my opinion on people. So the whole thrust of my work is empowering people to think for themselves and make their own decisions. So the work that I do helping people exit these groups isn't to persuade them to leave, but it's teaching them about how the mind works, teaching them about social psychology, teaching them about hypnosis, introducing them to critics and former members of whatever group that they were in, and encouraging them to do a reality testing strategy to determine whether or not they were co-opted. Mm. And even though they thought they were choosing, that in fact they were being manipulated to get involved with whatever yeah. they were involved with. And so just so people can sort of understand, 
a more sophisticated hypnosis is more of like repetition of words. Is it a modulation of voice? I know it sort of involves like creating these loaded language cliches or like chants and stuff like that. What does it look like? So repetition is a technique of indoctrination, Hmm. as is projection, which Trump does all the time. Whatever he's doing wrong, he blames everyone else for doing it and such. But you were closer when you were talking about modulation of voice and tone and language. And I want to disclose, it's not for the first time because I wrote about it in my 1988 book, Combating Cult Mind Control, that I got trained as a trainer in NLP or Neuro Linguistic Programming in 1980 and 81, which was about four years after I exited the moon cult because I was really wanting to understand how this happened to me. And all of my studies on persuasion and social psychology, it was missing something really vital. And I didn't know what it was until I started learning about hypnosis. And then I was like, oh, that's why they told me to look three inches into people's eyes when I was recruiting. Or, Mm. oh, that's why they told me to just pray Uh, that God's spirit will work through me while I'm listening to a brother give the divine principle lecture so that I could give a lecture just like him. And I would sit and listen over and over and over to people doing the divine principle lecture. And I could get up and I could give the divine principle lecture in three different personalities, Mm. three different, you know, accents. (laughs) One was Japanese, one was was Dutch and one was German, I could do it in all three. And how is that possible? Because I am a high hypnotizable and I have a high capacity of imagination. Mm. So for example, for me, if, if I imagine I'm holding a bag of ice cubes in my left palm and you are going to take my temperature, my skin temperature before and during this, this visualization, of the ice cubes, you would see the temperature going down on my skin, Mm. even though there's no ice cubes on my skin. Right. And it turns out that there's a bell shape curved amongst humans, and there's a tail of people who have that gift to be able to have deep concentration, deep, you know, imagination. And again, it's a gift, but it can be exploited if somebody has an ulterior motive and you don't understand hypnosis. Right. So what, what they were doing in, in, and I should say that Tony Robbins studied NLP and paid them off. Grinder and Bandler who created NLP based on Milton Erickson's work. And he's been doing corporate trainings, Mm -hmm. basically doing NLP. So there's been this dissemination of these models of how to do persuasive communications for decades. And it's almost like, you know, how a bad odor is in a room and you get accommodated to it so you don't smell it anymore because it's everywhere. Uh, Mind control manipulation is everywhere. (laughs) And people are like, huh? You know? But if you step back, you know, you go into the woods for a week, you unplug your phones, 
you start coming back to normal, you know, and then it becomes like, holy crap, this is not reality. This virtual world is not reality, but my brain thinks it's reality. Totally. So emotional control is, is manipulating, teaching emotion stopping techniques to block feelings, Mm -hmm. making the person feel the problems are their fault, never the leader of the groups, instilling fear, extremes of emotional highs and lows. One minute and then you're trash the next minute and it's all performance oriented. So if you do what the group wants you to do, then you're praised. And if you don't do it, then you're then then terrible things are, are said about you or maybe you're punished. The universal is what I call phobia indoctrination. I don't know if your listeners know of anyone who ha- has a real phobia. Some common ones are phobias of heights or dogs or spiders or, or public speaking is a, is a big phobia, airplanes sometimes. But when somebody has a real phobia, they can't imagine doing whatever it is and being safe and comfortable and, and feeling you know, good about it. So, for example, if you have an elevator phobia, all you can generate is a fear of being trapped for eternity in the elevator or the elevator plummeting out of control and you dying. Mm-hmm. You, you can't imagine you press the button, the door closes, you wait a minute and doors open and you walk out and everything's fine. But... The good news about phobias is as devastating as they can be, they're very fast to cure. Once you understand the difference between something that's genuinely dangerous, where you should feel fear, and something that is a made-up thing that isn't real, but you believe that it's real. Last year, I had the opportunity to list my Montecito guest house on Airbnb. This was part of a special project that Airbnb spearheaded to build connection and to make the world feel a little less lonely. It was such a pleasure to get to know my Airbnb guests over dinner and share my home with them so that they could rest and recharge on their trip. But typically, the beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Being a host on Airbnb is great for those who travel frequently, have extra space, or own a seasonal home. If you've stayed at an Airbnb, you know the unique experience it offers. And now you can share that same experience with others in addition to earning additional income on the side. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. So let's talk about, so for people who are listening, who are like, am I, (laughs) wait, is this me? How do you, is it as, as simple as sort of retreating into the woods? And then, and then let's talk about sort of helping loved ones or other people who you might be involved with come to grips that maybe they've, they've lost themselves sure. to mind control. Sure. So it's a process to reality test, to exit uh, a, a dysfunctional relationship or group or, or belief system as it's a process to get in in the first place. And here's my formula or my recommendation. One is you have to exit the environment that you're in. So if you're in a community 
that's that you think is controlling you you need a vacation and you need to go go to the woods or go somewhere else mm-hmm. and these days because of smartphones everybody is wired to be controlled remotely so you have to turn off your cell phone too and you have to get be off the internet so that's step one like let your brain rest and do normal things and sleep and eat okay and be away from the constant reinforcement of what you are believing second is learn models of mind control what helped me get out of the moonies was studying chinese communist brainwashing so i learned mm-hmm. lifton's eight criteria of thought reform margaret singer's six conditions and my bite model is based on those two models but study those and understand you know what they mean and 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 the criteria then the next step is talking to critics and former members of whatever you're into so if you're in a controlling relationship and you're wondering you know is it me or is it is it the guy or is it the woman that's controlling me look up the ex-girlfriends that were trying to warn you or the ex-boyfriends or the family that was telling you be careful he he gives me you know weird vibes seek them out and say okay tell me why you don't like this group or tell me why you don't like this person and really listen to their criticisms and then you want to go back in your mind to when you first met the group or met the person which is tricky for people who are born into cults so there's an extra step or two in helping that population but let's say it's a cult like the way I got into the moonies at age 19 I'd go back to who Steve was prior to meeting the moonies remember who I was and what my plans were like I was a creative writing major I worked as a banquet waiter on the weekends I had a girlfriend I liked to play basketball etc remember who I was and then slow slowly remember the steps of how you got involved and in my case three women were flirting with me at the cafeteria queen's college saying they were students and that they were part of a group it wasn't religious it was trying to help make the world a better place and they wound up asking me all kinds of personal details which i offered but they lied to me <laughs> so ask yourself in the beginning what did i think i was getting into and was i making informed consent to what the group was about which is a very big thing and then just go over your experiences things that stick stick out that didn't sit well where you thought about leaving where you questioned what was happening cuz that always happens with people they just suppress the doubts but now you're in a in a in a mode where you're giving yourself permission to be honest with yourself and really examine these events and then you can remember all kinds of troubling things that will surface that relate to the bite model that relate to what the ex members and critics were saying and then the final question is if i knew at the beginning what i know now would i have ever gotten involved mhm right exactly it's like 
a so thousand. If the percent. answer is no, no way, <laughs> then you need to exit. Right. And so when you're working with someone, and, and I think for many of us who have experienced re- what feels irreparable sort of in the context of, I guess you can say our whole country feels like we're at a weird, we've had just this rift, right? This massive rift of who, who are we and who are you and how did we get here? And Everybody's been subjected to mind control some of it directly from the Trump administration, some from our own media that doesn't understand cult mind control and is amplifying this information and the propaganda. We're all on information overload. We're stressed out because of the pandemic and the economic collapse, right? So people are extraordinarily confused. And that's, if you're going to mind control someone, confuse them. And that gets to a central concept that I wrote about in the cult of Trump called fourth generation warfare. And very briefly, that's a psychological warfare that's aimed at delegitimizing leaders, institutions, even truth itself. And the Mm -hmm. goal of fourth generation psyops is to confuse disorient people so that authoritarians can take over. So why put someone in charge of the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, who doesn't believe in the mission of the EPA? That's a fourth generation warfare act. Why put someone in charge of education who doesn't believe in education that wants everyone to be devout Christians the way she is? Right. Because it's fourth generation warfare. So what, what I think everyone needs to do is understand what's the difference between ethical influence and unethical influence. And I have this influence continuum, which is on my website, freedomofmind.com. And once you understand that, that influence really has many different values, like supporting your authentic self, all the way to the other extreme, creating a false self that controls you. Once you understand that, then you can begin to fit, fill in all of the, the puzzle pieces of what's going on here and what is going on. I wrote about it in the cult of Trump is there's a whole bunch of authoritarian cults that are influencing Trump and whose followers are fanatical true believers who are his base, and they want to subvert democracy and create a a coup and install him for life, just like Putin is installed for life in Russia. That's what's happening. Well, that's what seems like it's happening, certainly. And but it's also hard to imagine that and and Trump, you know, used to be a Democrat, et cetera, like not to get into, I mean, I know there are a million psychiatrists and psychologists who have evaluated him mentally, and he is a confounding person. Is he under mind control? Or is he actually architecting this? Because it seems oh, he's beyond him. he's definitely not architecting it. He was born into a cult of Norman Vincent Peale, Power of Positive Thinking, where he was taught thought stopping as a child. And he was taught that you have to believe 100% and and you have to suppress any doubts and then Mm -hmm. God will work. 
So he's trained at thought stopping. He was raised by an authoritarian father with sociopathic tendencies. But he's, he's very much a malignant narcissist, which turns out to be the stereotypical profile of all cult leaders. I compare him in chapter three of the cult of Trump with Jim Jones, with Hubbard of Scientology, with Ranieri of Nexium, with Moon, my former cult leader. So he's got the he's got the profile of a cult leader, but it's definitely people manipulating and using him for their goals. So for example, Putin and the Koch brothers own a lot of oil. Mm-hmm. So they want to perpetuate the climate change crisis is a hoax. Right? right. So, because they they'll lose a lot of their resources and their money if people go to clean energy. So it's in their best interest to have somebody who says that climate change, human affected climate change, is a hoax. Right. Right. So it really once you understand the agenda, I talk about the Christian right wanting to destroy the separation of church and state. In, the, in, in America, and you look at the family, Opus Dei, New Apostolic Reformation, and a number of other cults that are in the cult of Trump, and that then it starts to make sense why people right. are so fanatically committed to trying to have him reelected when he's such a buffoon and incompetent and uneducated person. Yeah. No. And, you know, this COVID thing, people calling him Jesus. I mean, it's it's getting extra wild. Do They're you... being indoctrinated, in my opinion, through their cult, whether mm-hmm. they're listening to religious TV or radio, talk radio, or watching Fox News, or they're on Facebook, you know, right. groups. But people yeah. are being indoctrinated. They're not thinking for themselves. And they, they need to understand you can't trust someone who lies all the time. <laughs> and it's becoming, it's like now, I don't know if you call something like QAnon a cult or... Um, I do. I okay, actually did a, a bite model analysis of QAnon and it fits the bite model of authoritarian control. And this is a psyops. QAnon is an is a alternate reality gaming psyop to to get people addicted to following so-called Q and it's just a mind control cult. Yeah. No, I mean it is totally bananas. And so how do you see this ending? Like do you see this as sort of a collective let's hope that Trump is defeated and and is this like everyone just sort of wakes up and is like, whoa, 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 how did we get here? Or how, how do we start to unwind this back towards sort of the, the democracy, the, the political system where like you could be friends with Republicans and Democrats and everyone could have Thanksgiving together? Like, how do you see this evolving? Yeah. No, it's a very important question. It's probably the most important question. I want to start by saying the election is not going to end the cult of Trump. Mm-hmm. It just won't. There are more and more people coming out saying, I'm not going to vote for him again. But those are more fringe people, not the fanatics who think that God is using him 
You know, right. who think that he's the savior of this satanic cabal of traffickers and pedophiles. That's not going to undo this. And, and honestly, the only hope that I see is massive education of the public about how the mind works, what hypnosis is, what destructive authoritarian cults are, and an analysis of what, of how this you know, has, has taken place. And I, I tried to do my best in writing the book, The Cult of Trump, to give the essentials because Trump is the, the, the symptom of decades of manipulation, abuse of power by people who want to impose Christian nationalism or dominionism that don't like gays, that don't like women's right to choose. And so we, we need massive public education of how to be a citizen, how to discern legitimate, trustworthy information for, from, you know, phony clicks and disinformation. And we need more and more mental health professionals to understand this because it's a very specific mental disorder, dissociative disorder. And we need politicians to understand that. We need law enforcement to understand that. We need educators to understand that. Parents need to teach their kids. And it can be done. And in my opinion, we don't have an option other than going into authoritarian mode and just yeah. be losing all of our freedoms. No. I mean, it's, it's certainly terrifying. And it's also on the other end of the spectrum, in a way reassuring, which I know is kind of a fucked up thing to say. But when you can create a model where suddenly you're like, what's this is making no sense. Like are 40% of Americans like truly racist, xenophobic, misogynistic people like that doesn't no, they're not track for me, you know, they're, they're not. But see, this is where my firsthand cult experience guides me because I grew up Jewish, educated about the Holocaust. Within two months, I was believing the Holocaust had to happen because the Jews didn't follow Jesus. Mm. I, within three months, I was believing that, you know, the Messiah was a Korean and that they were the, the master race that democracy was satanic and that we needed a theocracy to rule the world. Right. And I, and I fasted for Nixon during Watergate because Moon said God wanted Nixon to be president, just like so many Trumpers believe God wants Trump to be president. So I've been there, I know, and I came out with the other side going, huh, how did this happen to me? I, I'm a smart person. Yeah. From a good loving family. I didn't have any major traumas and huh? Yeah. It's like that Lincoln Project ad or video that they made where some like the son had been in a coma and it's it's a, it's a it's sort of a comedy and then the family's visiting him and he wakes up and they're he's like what's happening and they're like oh and you know, it's a Republican family and they're like, oh, and then he did this. And he's like, what? And they're like, and then we did this and it's it's really great. And he's like, what? And it sort of points out the extremism of. Yeah, no, I saw the ad. I thought it was yeah. brilliant. It reminds me of Jen Senko's documentary, The Brainwashing of My Dad, where she, her human rights oriented, you know, dad became a right wing, you know, xenophobe. And she did this whole documentary on his journey 
And then he got ill and unplugged from Fox and talk radio, and he started coming back to normal again. Yeah. Wow. And and I also thought this was staggering. And then I know you need to get back to your day job of helping people get their family members out of cult. There are 5,000 cults? Oh, there's way more than that. That's a what? very conservative estimate. Wow. Wild. When I describe, when I say 5,000 to 8,000 cults, I mean destructive authoritarian cults. Like I think right. there are lots of cults of great movies or, you know, music right. bands and actors. And act I'm not talking about that kind of cult. I'm talking right. about the bad kind that is, is violating the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Right, right. So there's certainly, there's sort of the certainly not harmful, helpful cult of personality, people who sort of believe in the same thing, but no one's saying, oh, you have to believe this. No. And, right. and honestly, I think healthy people should be able to listen to other people who have radically different beliefs, listen to what they say and how, why they believe it, be able to articulate it back to them. So what you're saying is, you know, Allah is this or, or, or Sun Myung Moon is that or L. Ron Hubbard is, did I get it right? And they go, yes. Most people who are in a mind control authoritarian cult can't do that with a critic. Right. So it's a measure. If you, if you really are sure you're not in a mind control cult and you're a big pro-Trump person, do you really understand Steve Hassan's critique of Trump and why he calls it the cult of Trump. Right. And honestly, I've done a bunch of videos and blogs, wrote the book. So if people are curious and if they're that confident that they're not brainwashed or mind control, check it out. And I'm saying that because that's what my father did with me to convince me to agree to my deprogramming. It wasn't because I wanted to leave the group or I had doubts. I was a fanatic but I wanted to prove to him I wasn't brainwashed and I wasn't in a cult. He said, prove it. Just talk to these people for a few days. And then if yeah. you want to go back, I'll drive you there myself. And I was like, I'll prove it to you. Sure. And then That's... during during that time, I learned stuff that I had never thought about. I didn't understand what brainwashing was. And with Trumpers explaining how traffickers do mind control or is the avenue in, to helping them to start reality testing what's happened to them. Yeah. No, and I've seen those moments on the news, like everyone, where someone will go to a rally and be like, but did you see this? And they're, it's like you watching them in real time as they're trying to process information that doesn't coordinate is really interesting. So I like that. I like that idea of like, well, show me, prove to me that you're not. It's not a, but it shouldn't be like a, 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 a right, wrong, or I'm going to win, you're going to lose frame. It should be a curious, hey, you seem like you're so together and you seem so sure. I'm curious, would you, would you be willing to, to prove that? Yeah. No, I sure think that's really wise. What do I need and to do? Well, there's this book, but the thing with relatives asking people to read my book is they have to do follow-up. They have to say, well, read a chapter and let's discuss it. Yeah. Because it, okay. you have to break it down because it's too much to digest. And then for other cults, just 
starting to get starting to get them to test their reality and and hopefully isolating them or giving them a chance to unplug is that like were you kidnapped essentially by your family in my case i (laughs) fell asleep at the wheel of a van and broke my leg really badly was in the hospital and i called my sister who i hadn't seen in a year and she persuaded me to come visit her and see my nephew who had been born and i was able to persuade my leaders to give me permission but once I got to her house, my father arrived unexpectedly, took my crutches away. <laughs> so I wasn't amazing, that, but I wasn't there <laughs> of my own volition, but I couldn't run away either. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And I just um, want to say with Nexium, I did a great interview with Sarah Edmondson, who's featured uh, in The Vow. She was on the cover of the New York Times front page with the, the brand. I have an analysis of Nexium and how how it's a mind control cult, a bite model analysis, etc. So for people who are watching The Vow, you can get a little more detail if you're interested. Yeah. As she says in the documentary, like I would if someone had said, Oh, and then we're gonna hold you down and brand your vagina with this man's initials, like I would have essentially told you to fuck off. So and she was, you know, I think it can happen to the best of us. Yep. And, yeah. and I want to I wanna do a shout out to her, Mark Vicente, Bonnie, Anthony, so many other, Barbara Boucher, Natalie, who are courageously speaking out and saying, yep, it was a cult. And here's what happened. And here's the story. And hopefully you can learn from it. Yeah. No, I'm sure. I mean, I, I agree. It's so brave. Really important to model it because we tend to blame, you know, we tend to blame the victims and how could you fall for that? And, you know, I think probably everyone listening has been in some sort of abusive relationship of some kind or felt themselves slip away. And it happens, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, we're Um, human beings. We're not perfect. And there's no shame in saying, you know what? I didn't know. And now I know better. So I'm going to make a healthier choice, and I can exit. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Stephen Hassan. For more from Stephen, pick up a copy of The Cult of Trump, which also explains sort of how cults work at large. So for those of you who have been following and loving The Vow, there's lots to learn from there, too. That's it for today's episode. If you have a chance, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back for more. And in the meantime, you can check out goop.com slash the podcast.